<laughs> all right, everybody. All right, everybody. Welcome to Carbonite Bounty BS, the show where we are going to talk about the Mandalorian, the Disney Plus series. We're the nerds, and this is the episode for Chapter 12, which is The Siege. The Siege. How's everybody doing tonight? What up? What up? What's going on? Hey, how you How's doing? Everyone doing? Kendo, you're looking good tonight. Very shiny armor. You're looking nice. Kendo! DP was complimenting his armor. Trenton, uh, the, the, twin, the twin sunsets of Tatooine have never looked so beautiful. Uh, as, as they look in your frame of your background of your, of your uh, humble moisture farm. So we're so glad we're so glad you guys could join us as usual here. Uh, this is the time now that we've uh, said hello. Where I'm going to kick it over to my uh, my main man, Dog Pound Brown. He's going to tell you where to find us if you haven't been turned off already. <laughs> Nerdcyclopedia.com. <laughs> Make sure that you guys are going there. You you see all our links and everything that involved with Nerdcyclopedia. Um, at Nerdcyclopedia, we are on Twitter, we are on Facebook, we are on Instagram. Anywhere we're all over social media, we are there at Nerdcyclopedia. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube or on Facebook, make sure that you're clicking that notification and also subscribing. So anytime you, that you know that we're on, I mean, yeah, anytime that we're on, you know that That's we're right. on. Also, um, That's right. Also, <laughs> and make sure that um, you guys are listening to us on Apple um, Podcasts, um, Google Play, anywhere that you um, listen to your favorite podcast, iHeartRadio, um, wherever, tune in. We are there for you to listen to. That's right. We're all over the place now because it's pretty much free, so it's easy to do that. Uh, I want to talk about this episode, and, and you know, before we kick it over to Trenton for the main the main meat of the show, which we which we we really appreciate him doing that, and he's doing such a great job. I want to address um, uh, Carl Weathers, honestly, personally, uh, just me to Carl. So you guys, hold on a second, hold on a second. You guys are gone, Carl. This is awesome work, and I and I just want to say that I appreciate that you've brought Carl Weathers to the Star Wars universe, and that is awesome. All right, that is all. Okay, so I've taken advantage of the format once now, <laughs> and that I control, hey, he, I control he, he, the camera. Hey, he directed the episode, so, I mean, you know, props to Carl all Weathers. Right. Direct, all right. Great direction. So thank you thank you to Carl Weathers for uh, deigning to join the Star Wars uh, universe. Always great to have an Apollo Creed in there. All right, all right, Trent, I'll, I'll kick it over to you to start us <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to this week's episode. A lot of stuff. I mean, some of the words we talked about kind of leading up to this was, you know, kind of a wild episode. A lot of us thought it would be a filler episode, um, anticlimactic, but really, I mean, so much context is going to lead us into the third sequel trilogy, as well as tie in, you know, a lot of prequel trilogy things. So, as far as getting into this episode, uh, there's a lot of callbacks, uh, as we discussed, not a lot of plot details necessarily, but definitely there's a lot of uh, fill-in as far as um, continuing the sequel trilogy legacy and um, once again gives us some calls into seeing where this can be headed for season three and or other series as, as potential spinoffs. So uh, without that further ado, we'll start as far as our reaction at the beginning of the episode. Uh, we saw Mando and the child... Um, First off, uh, we'll start with DP's favorite thing, which is his parenting skills. My man has a baby. Oh man, letting a baby fix your shit. Oh, <laughs> I, if I can imagine my two-year-old, you know, just you know, he could fit into the, you know, the 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 um, you know, the 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 um, the thing and everything, and um, just letting him and just trying to describe to him exactly what to do. 
was one of the most hilarious scenes I didn't see in all, like, you know, with both of these seasons. I mean, pretty much a lot of the things that would happen with the child just had me just rolling. But this, you know, with Mando telling him what to do with the blue wire, what to do with the red wire, and the child actually reacting. Okay, well, this one? Are you sure this one? So, I mean, and just the interaction between the two, and the, the show is just really showing his sense of humor that Mando can really have like a um some some levity about him. So just to see his parenting skills just letting him go and actually shock himself in the end as an end result, it's just like, man, you gotta give like, you know, a round of applause for my, you know, this man's parenting skills. <laughs> it's just so awesome. Right. And uh to lead into that, uh, Kendo, what do you feel about as far as um as DP kind of alluded to, we're starting to get a little bit of a uh, different character development from Din Djarin or uh, Mando, as most call him. Um, he seems to be becoming more, I guess, human, we shall say, but uh, not as, as tough as nails as he was originally came out, you know, collecting bounties and everything. Well, how do you think about his character development so far? Well, I think I think you're right. We're definitely seeing a change. So it started out, he thought this was going to be a pretty simple job you know, protect the child. But I think he's seeing now that he's needing to get more. He's, get, he need, he's needing to get help from a lot of different people. And he, he's, he's not the loner, really. He's got to work as a team. And I noticed that every time he has to get into sort of a, kind of a team situation, he gets a little uncomfortable. He's sort of like, okay, you guys do this, but I'm going to actually go ahead and do this over here and solve the problem, right. you know, right? That's just what it seems to me, even after this episode, when they got to that Imperial uh, bunker, they were all down trying to slice into the door. Where did he go? He just he just jetted up, went down. I like the stormtrooper throwing the stormtrooper off the off the uh, off the off the uh, off the edge there. And then he came down. The elevator was open and they so he's still on his own, but he's having to work as a team. And I think that makes him a little uncomfortable, but I think he's getting a little better at it. Right. And as we get into the um, meetup here, I know a lot of us spoke about last week about potentially everybody joining up again and, you know, a, sort of a team-oriented uh, blast-off into the next adventure, but wasn't so much the case. Um, so, Hitch, what do you think about as far as when we meet up with the rest of the cast? And I guess the first part is, you know, the initial bomb drop is the eyes, watch as he's asking for his, you know, the razor crest to be fixed. Mm -hmm. Did you feel anything funny about that off the bat or I, I thought that, you know, coming back to this locale after after sort of being tied back into the Tatooine story and being tied back into the sort of the side story with the frog person really grounds the story in in, in uh in its origination, right? So coming back to grief and coming back to uh, to Kara, you know, it shows us that there are consequences to these actions. That this is a real world where if Mando does X, Y, or Z, there's going to be consequences down the line, uh, and that's something that I think is, you know, is really really great. Is that this show is sort of showing consequences in the Star Wars universe, which you don't, you know, they don't think about all the time. Like Luke blows up the Death Star, and that's you know, hundred million people on there. You know what I mean? Like things like that don't just <laughs> don't just come up in the Star Wars universe. And like like uh, like Kendo was saying. Um, you know, we see a lot in Star Wars that that uh, that ah screaming people flying off stuff, but but the Mandalorian shows us the dull thud <laughs> as the body hits the bottom of the valley. Right, right. 
great, great and, point. And yeah. I think that's one thing that's really that's when I you know I talk about the spirit of '77 or the original Star Wars, that Western, rough, dirty thing. And that's a, that's where Mandalorian really hits the sweet spot for me. Is it's doing such a great job of embedding interesting characters with complicated story arcs in multiple locations where you could conceive of, you could see how next season of the Mandalorian is just eight vignettes on eight separate story arcs. Now it's incredible. You know, you could, they could be completely unmoored from any real main plot. They could have their own plots. And that's really the, the, the testament to the writing and how they're really pulling in these characters from other avenues, right? From the cartoons and linking them together with this very real world, right? It's anchoring, anchoring that animation in the, the, the quote-unquote reality of a galaxy far, far away. And that's something The Mandalorian does really well. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, yeah, just as he said, um, tying that in off the bat, um, the second portion of this really review we'll lead into is obviously child is dropped off, as we know. Dan <laughs> is roped into another adventure, yeah. and there is a, there's a payment required outside of money that's needed in order to get help. So, um, let's once talk again, right, let's, let's talk yeah. right quick a bit about that child being dropped mm. off. And you know, this right. guy's parenting skills, <laughs> you know, right? So, just dropping a child off in a place where you know you, you, you haven't vetted anything, you know, you're just like trusting that grief knows how, um, you know, they're going to take care of the child and everything. And he's, he, he, he's a little hesitant, but he still goes, you know. Not Ella. even a person, a droid actually too. <laughs> <Just a teacher. laughs> yeah, exactly. things he absolutely hates. <laughs> DV, wouldn't you, if you knew or thought that your child would be left with a with a substantial babysitter like uh, a droid, wouldn't you do it? Uh, uh, probably like in a heartbeat. I mean, oh, you know, like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think any one of us would jump at the opportunity to have a droid babysit some kids we had to babysit right i mean goodness gracious that that lecture like i know i give you guys know i give a lot of boring history lectures that droid was going on and on about the hydean way and about the Coruscant <laughs> spine and about the interim and was giving a real geography lesson like it was the front it was the front fold of one of the legends novels and and even i'm sitting there and i'm like okay yeah the hydean way whatever <laughs> so i can imagine how bored any poor children would be that would come into the 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 you know the orbit of a you know um, less uh, less adventurous C three PO. I'm more scared. Well, well, the child the child didn't look too bored. You know, mm-hmm. he was you know he he looked a little hungry there. Yeah. You know, as soon as right. he saw them um, some Oreos, some some good like nice um 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 sea blue Oreos. He used his force skills. Let me ask you. I mean, little frog little frog hops up to you, and you're you know you're in fourth grade. <laughs> And it acts like it wants some of your cookies. You're going to give it some cookies, right? You're going to give it the cookies. Right. I mean, come on. It's cute. it's cute. It's a baby Yoda. I mean, that's the thing, like, that's the thing about this show that's hilarious is, like, we none of us have to speculate on why these people are doing these nice things for the child, right? Like, we get it. We love it. Like, we, <laughs> we all would be doing exactly the same thing, giving it cookies and stuff and, like, like taking, wanting to cuddle it and things like that. So we get that, right? It's the same exact thing for them. They treat it the same way we do. It's interesting, right? That's yeah. postmodern. Yeah. That's what yeah. they call the... Uh, so they call it simulacrum right there. It's sort of a thing within a thing right. within a thing that I don't want to talk about anymore. Throw it back in the yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess that's my only gripe so far, The really the character development of the child. I mean, obviously there's little dialogue, but 
just uncanny use of the force. So to me, it's getting I, a little I, like, I wanted to say yeah, it. I, I was waiting like for someone cheesy. to say it. <laughs> I've, I've let it slide the first season. Now he's starting to force pull things from the eggs. He's starting to manipulate the force in the air. Like, I understand his race was strong with the force, but with no training, it just, I mean, is it basically saying humans are inferior? You see how long it took Luke <laughs> just to, you know, grab an object how long it took Ray to meditate, but this child is that strong that it automatically knows how to manipulate the force already. That to me is the only thing I'm just looking at. Like if it's that advanced, you know, it's just, you know, it's just little. Okay. If I guess if you relate this real life, everyone can't be Michael Jordan, you know, some people have to work really hard to get to that point. Ooh, so whereas whereas take, take that back, <laughs> Michael Jordan was a hard worker. I I, I will not let okay, I will okay, not okay, allow he, any I, slur on Michael he, Jordan's he, work ethic to remain he, on this on this did, channel. I, I cannot allow that. He, he did work pretty hard. My well, bad. Well, I take that. You can say things. Hashtag, you can say negative things about hashtag, Michael Jordan, by the way, just not lies. Hashtag hate DP. So I'm I'm, I'm right there. It's, it's a clear thing. It's okay. I, 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 I guess my oh there you go. I my my point is my point is. The guy was born with the great talent of, you know, just being that uh, the 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 one, you know, if you want to call it. Um, some people have to work to that point to where they get to that level of skill. Um, who's to say that in this universe that you know everyone just can't start from you know the same level? So Luke had to get to a point where he was real adept with the Force. You know, the um, the child just has it. <laughs> And don't, those you need to know, don't you need to know how to learn how to have it? I guess that's the thing I've always I, wondered. Like. I, I, well, they have to do some explicit explanation because apparently this little child has it. Well, how old is exactly. Luke Skywalker, that's... though? Right? Well, I mean, he's know. 19. He's 19, 20 years old. The thing about the thing about this this species that I, I think is interesting is that like we see the Mon Calamari in the Quarren, right? And we see these species in their native habitat, right? And we see the um, the Horatio Sands characters out of their neighbor habit, native habitat and how that affects what they can do, right? What they're willing to do. The, ch the child, and it seems to me like this race is to the force like a race of bird people would be to flying. You know what I mean? Like this is just sort of the medium in which they operate because it's a part of their you want to say biosphere part of their evolution as a as a species before sentience right we would say you know prehistoric right. times like how we came from uh uh you know our our prehistoric ancestors that were at one point uh great apes and became eventually able to nitpick story details in uh you know star wars so at some point there was a conversion right we don't know where we, i'm not going to speculate on where we came that was. a long way there this happened <laughs> so for these guys but then for this species maybe it was that force sensitivity was sort of baked into their planet because of some vergence in the force or something like that. So when they're being preyed on or when they're acting like predators and prey, that would be a, uh, an evolutionary condition, a pressure on them to develop force sensitivity, especially if they're long lived, you would imagine to live uh, that long. And obviously let's, let's be honest about what this species is. Obviously it's predator species, right? I mean, he's eating everything right. he moves. Right. So, this is something that this is what I've I, this is the long term personal speculation about Yoda that I'm just dropping out here because it's time. Right. I have long suspected that Yoda's species has a specific connection to the force that's peculiar to their evolutionary condition. Yeah. 
Right. And then, I, and then yeah. later on, I started a Star Wars podcast to say that. <laughs> here, we, here we are. That's, how that's all. That's all fun and games. And I'll, you know, I'll leave this up to Kendo. But uh, I believed all that until we dropped that M word again that we haven't heard since Qui Gon oh. Jinn. It kind of just like was the ultimate curveball off the bat. You know, the M count, as we say. Um, what did you guys think? What did you think of that, Kendo? I mean, I thought the Midichlorians were done. Oh no! I mean, they're just they just evolve and. So the, the Imperial cloners, the scientists, know there's something to this child, and they've been trying to experiment, and obviously it all failed. Every single experiment they did failed. It was dead, I guess. They were just, it didn't work. So I think they're trying to take the Metachlorians and clone them and somehow build some sort of a new army out of them, right? I mean, that, that's what the Empire would do with this. Yeah, definitely trying to build uh, for the expanded universe the next uh, Star Killer. So essentially, a clone of a former Force being, whether it be Luke Skywalker or you know who knows, uh, a clone of maybe as we're you know we'll get into a little bit later here, maybe a way to um, preserve Palpatine. Well, they're they're mixing some sort of a humanoid like a shock trooper of some sort with the DNA from the child, which would be Metaclorians, and I. I always thought the Metaclorians were just everybody has them. Right. You have them, I have them. There's just a level of, you know. Hitch on a good day has a lot of them. <laughs> so they, they, everybody has them. It's just this particular species uh, had a lot of them. And then every once in a while, a human has a lot of them. So it's just, it's just chance, or is it, the, is it the galaxy working in some weird way? Right. Who knows? But it didn't shock me that they bring that all back. But I am I'm super interested in the biological warfare potential here by taking blood from the child and turning it into maybe a robot humanoid cyborg thing. That's right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I guess to bring this all back into context for the viewers out there. So essentially where we left off at is Mando and the team were basically tasked to take out one of the last they felt um, empire strongholds on the planet um they had teamed up with his uh car his uh frozen uh friend again i forget the character's name the blue guy but um he had been their transport and they had uh had a four-man team lay siege on the final i guess empire uh forge or foundry that they wanted to get weapons and things like that out and basically their idea was to destroy it so they can have a free planet um, as we're alluding to now, there's a scene as as far as when they get inside that they discover that there is not only a weapons in here, but a secret cloning facility and project in which we get our kind of first look at of a clone being, whether it is a clone that kind of resembled Snoke as far as an imperfect thing. You know, everybody in the comments can put their theory if they think it's maybe Palpatine or, or whatever these beings are. But clearly these are the beginnings of something. And they're alluding to using the blood, as uh, Kendo said, whether it being something we see later in the episode for these troopers. Or is it to revitalize or revive somebody that, um, like I said, we don't know if they're alluding to Palpatine or not. I mean, to this point... You know, all we know is he died on a Death Star. So I don't know how they're tying it together, but I'm really liking the development and some of these little hints. That I don't know if they're doing it's kind of like they did with the Marvel series to kind of allow people to 
navigate for their own idea how they would look at it. But, um, you know, what do you think, Hitch, about some of these, some of the ways they're setting this up, especially uh, up into this point, we're seeing the first um, version of a clone. Yeah. And a clone, a clone is something, it's a word that's dropped in like the first, in the first couple of scenes of Star Wars Episode Four. So it's a, it's a word that's been playing into Star Wars since the very beginning. And for a long time, it was shrouded in mystery. We didn't know what the heck happened in the Clone Wars or what that even meant. And obviously, we were treated during the uh, the prequel era to a real explanation of what that meant. Some people thought it was lame. I thought it was whatever. Uh, now, these cloning facilities are being used to clone Force-sensitive individuals. Now, in the Legends canon, this is a pretty popular thing. Uh, one of the jokes kind of in Legends canon is if you clone somebody, their clone, if there's a vowel in their name, they get a double vowel. So, like, uh, my, my clone would have a, an apostrophe I next to the I. So it would be like, itch, right? That would be what you call my clone, right? So, the Star hmm. so this has been a weird sort of thing that's sort of moved around the Star Wars, uh, the sort of the Star Wars canon for a long time. And with, with, with Skywalker, with, with Episode Nine, that's it's legit, right? We know for a fact cloning factors heavily into the plot of those, of those series, right? We know for a fact that at some point between now and then, Palpatine establishes Snoke as a front and uses it to corrupt Jason's soul, right? Or Ben soul. Sorry, guys. The Legends cannon's up in my head. Yeah, Jason Solo. I know. There Hate we go. Hashtag. 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 Solo plug. I like that. So, so I get the solos confused. Right? There's also an Anakin solo in Legends, just to be really confusing. There's more solo sons. So... Uh, we know that is going to happen, so these cloning ah, facilities, look, okay. you guys know what Chekhov's gun is, right? You guys know what that is? You guys ever heard of that yep. before? So, you got to fire. Exactly. If you show the audience a gun in the first act, it's got to go off before the end of the third. So we know these cloning facilities have to factor into these plans in some way, because otherwise, why even show them to us? What's the point? Right. Um, I think it's... Um, I, I love the way grief react, you know, reacts to you know, seeing everything you know for the first time because you know he had he just really had no idea when man opposed him he thought it was like a just a straight mission and you know grief was like he just really had no idea what was here it was a just a great reaction for you know from carl weathers and it's one of those moments where you know something bigger is going on in the show other than just your straight you know missions you know episode to episode mission so it was a really great way to see that we, we know that the uh, Empire has been, you know, defeated at this point, but they're up to something. There is some some underlying stuff going on in the Outer Rim that just the, the, the New Republic is just not, you know, um, taking, uh, being aware of that they should be paying more attention to. So you, you defeated, you know, defeated the Empire and everything, and it's all down. Um, there's more stuff going on, and they're not going to just sit on their heels and you know when you know we'll, we'll get further into the episode when we see you know Moff Gideon, um, and what he's doing. But I, I just love like the political ramifications of you got a group of people who have been defeated but are not down and are just totally being just ignored, you know, in the outer rim. And it's evidently just a lot of stuff going on that um, that they should be you know the um, the new republic should be privy to. Hey, I don't know that I felt that they were really the. Def Defeat. I mean, the empire seemed pretty well organized. They had, they still had their the the technology. Everything was up and running. Uh, I have to say that maybe the stormtroopers were a little haphazard. Uh, they weren't <laughs> terribly. Terribly. There was a little problem there that I still. I've watched the episode 
maybe four or five times, and I'm still uncomfortable with how easily the our base of heroes drop that many stormtroopers. I mean, <laughs> I, it's it's a little it's it's too Disney, because um, Disney would just have the bad guys fall over. But in the original trilogy, I mean, stormtroopers could take a hit. They were they were elite trained soldiers. They weren't bozos, but yeah. These, are total knuckleheads. They're walking into each other and one blaster shot and they're down. It's like, come on. But I don't, I think we're not supposed to think that the Empire is necessarily down and out. Well, we, we, I guess we as an audience know that they're not down. But what I'm saying, in universe, aren't they, aren't, aren't they down, down for the count? Well, the New Republic yeah. is like the legit government now, right? Because, yeah. so they've right. sort of filled the, filled that, that um that vacuum of legitimacy that the empire left right so they're they're um they're sort of there and they're operating in areas that even the empire wasn't bothering to operate you know even during their expansion right so so, so they're sort of saying look there's no reason for the 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 government that to fracture just because the governor will no longer function and and, and the imperial <laughs> remnant you know we we don't we don't have this because uh, in our in our society we don't have like um, like political wealth and personal wealth aren't tied together as closely as in ancient societies. So like I think of the emperor as like personal property, right? Like his like estate, so to speak, or plan or whatever he owns, right? That to me seems to be what is continuing on as sort of like the undercurrent of um, you know the first order, right? That's the spire that's continuing forward after the after the uh, the empire's dead, and I think of it kind of like how like a Justinian, some a Roman emperor, right? How they have their own personal property, and right. then they have, but they also have the legitimacy and the authority of the state. That is what has been removed from from the empire here, but the wealth, the the reach, right? That sort of stuff is still there, just like the emperor was Don Corleone. Hmm. Gotta watch it. So they use the family wealth to foster their leadership and you know whatever they just chose to govern. So I mean that makes and sense. Eventually, what but happened that... is it fract the Roman Empire fractured, and rich people would pay you know peasants to only work on their land, and so it eventually just fractured into little fiefdoms, right? Which it looks like what's right. happening here because what's that's what grief's setting up as his own. Fiefdoms. Yeah, he's setting up right. a war. He's a warlord. He's a yeah, warlord. correct. Yeah. Yeah, and then he he lose that at the end of the episode as far as making this basically the new trade federation and one of the the basically trade federation of the outer rim, so to speak, as they put it. He's already established Car as his marshal, and basically he will be the head of the the new head of the trade federation, um, which is really interesting. But um, to kind of speed this episode along here to uh, get to really the meat and potatoes of the things we really want to discuss, which are just so many ways that we can turn this is um. Warvis, he reintroduced him off. Um, he's alive and well, although uh, Mando had thought that he had died. So we are reintroduced that he's out there. Um, just you know, kind of fast forward the episode. They've taken over the foundry or the last empire base, so to speak. And Mando shoots off to go reclaim the child as he thinks that Moff Gideon is going to kidnap him. So, um kind of getting us to the end of the episode after, you know, they're chased by a couple of TIE fighters and, you know, Mando comes on a razor crest. It's brand new all of a sudden yeah. in, in two days. And, uh, you know, he shoots him down and we really get to the, the end of it where all 
speculation kind of starts. I mean, we see Moff Gideon in some sort of, um, I thought it was an Easter egg to um, maybe the um, operating table when they first unveiled Darth Vader. But we get into the, uh, you know, miscovered room to where we see the experiments going on and the need for blood for something. Uh, and Kendo, Kendo alerted, alluded to this a little bit. If these are shock troopers or robotic troopers, um, I know the last time we saw the shock troopers, as he said, I thought they went down for the being elite. These guys are dropping way too easy. I, I feel like our heroes aren't <laughs> taking enough damage, although I guess Din almost did die. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. The fights are cool, but I like like Hendo is alluding to. I, I was would feel a little more damage on the heroes, a little more tough times. I mean, we haven't really reached that that roller coaster. You know, we haven't really reached that period, that climax, or or anything yet. So it, it'll be interesting. I mean, I guess episode five we're tubbed into. Uh, you know, everybody sitting their their recorders for this episode five coming up. But um, yeah, Kendo, what did you think about? Like you said, even these shock troopers, or whatever you want to call them. I mean. Do you think they're going to be any stronger? Or... Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Put them through basic training again. Or something. <laughs> I mean, they every once in a while that one would like take a take a hit uh, and then take another hit. But they were all dropping. They weren't running in any formation. They were just like running down the hall. They weren't. But only at the end when they were pinned down in the uh, in the hangar. Right. Just. As they were going to enter the Imperial Troop Transport, first introduced in 1978 by Kenner. <laughs> <laughs> it never evolved, wasn't in any movie, wasn't in any comic book or anything, but here it now is in, in The Mandalorian. Just as they were about to board that, they did have a, a group of stormtroopers that came in and really held them down a little bit, pinned them a little bit. Well, Call but, of Duty style. Blanked them. Seriously. Like, <laughs> like two formation... Uh, you know, guys, run, you know, trying to run flank on the enemy. I mean, they were really trying to do something. Um, but <clears throat> other than that, I mean, I really hope that, we, like you said, uh, Trent, that uh, we get a sort of a big battle where there's tons of stormtroopers and maybe up against our a little pitiful band of heroes. You know, really see what we what 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 we what we can really do. Maybe hell. Put in twenty or thirty um, other man Mandalorians, have them jetpack in, and but the stormtroopers definitely need to step it up. The, uh, yeah. the Imperial Army definitely needs to step it up a little bit. I mean, DP, with this being a Disney series, do you think that the, you know as Ken alluded to? I mean, we've heard the jokes about you know that oh they can't hit the broad side of a barn, they can't hit a bantha. <laughs> I mean, do you really think that this is just the, they're going to be the comedic side of Star Wars that? they aren't going to be intelligent and they're not going to be able to, because clearly as Kendo was saying, we would see a little more, I would feel from soldiers, um, especially this is keep in mind, we're getting close to that time frame to where now we're alluded to Finn, which are, these aren't just clones, but these are actually stolen children from their right. families. Yeah. Clearly great, great. They're a little, yeah. They're great a little point. more intelligent than we're, we're seeing them. So you think so, it's a humor thing or just, is this, well, I mean, you bringing up Finn, that's a really great point because it's a um, it's a person behind the soldiers. So they can't just, or they shouldn't just be, I shouldn't say can't, they shouldn't just be mindless, um, you know, soldiers just getting knocked out as soon as, you know, you hit them with attack, you know. Um, if they're going to do anything at this point, I, I would say Disney should just let them be a little bit more creative 
um, in their flanking or in their in their movements and not just have them just shoot and just, eh, you know, just just fall down and everything and let, you know, let them go past and stuff. Um, it would be a really great way for them to 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 find a way to humanize a, a, a stormtrooper. But I know that's not what the, the show is about. But like I said, get a little bit more creative in their in, the, in their fights. And I think that will go a long way to making us a little bit more satisfied instead of um, and and like you said, Trent, um, having our heroes get a little bit more damaged and have a little, you know, get a little bit more roughed up um, just because it's a Disney show doesn't mean that it has to be, you know, just light, you know, light, um, you know, totally for kids because it is adults watching this, too. Probably more so. Mm hmm. Yeah, I agree. Oh, Hitch, as far as, you know, closing up the episode, um, clearly we hear that there's been some transponder added to the Razor Crest. Um, to all our chagrin, the team is not together. Mando is going solo again. So um, interesting to see that, um, I don't know if you tied it together, Hitch, but uh, in my mind, so Wokatan and their ship is looking for Moth. Moff is chasing Mando. We're all meeting at Ahsoka. This sounds like it's going to get really interesting. This is the classic, the classic, you know, sort of uh, train wreck uh, sort of situation <laughs> where you have lots of lots of tops spinning all in one direction, and it's all going toward uh, Ahsoka Tan. You know, right? You know what I mean? Like we're all going to the same place, and that is, uh, you know, a rendezvous with a mainline Star Wars character with this, the the apprentice of a Skywalker. Which is which is a big deal because the Skywalkers are also in the Yoda tradition, right? Uh, this is this is this is a big deal to have this sort of uh, animated character show up in real life. It's it's sort of the the crossover a lot of people have been waiting for, and it feels to me like while that while I know that I'm joking around that they've created this like X-wing series spinoff and this Marshal of the Town spinoff and the, you know the Sheriff you know mining town on Tatooine spinoff and the Frog People spinoff. You know, they have all these spinoffs, <laughs> but they're all spinning in the same direction. And that's at a conflict around, you know, what to do with the child and who's going to end up with control of the child. And how is the child, you know, this is what this is what worries me for the child, right? Because obviously they're not going to kill the child in a plane crash or, you know, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to get coronavirus and die. Right? It's not going to be something random, right? That kills, the, the, that happens to the child. But we know for a fact that this clone program that was just teased to us is successful. It works one way or the other. It works. And if they need high M blood and they need it to make it work, then we know they're going to get it because it works. So somebody's yeah. donating some high M blood here or something is different. And like we said before, right? If you cock that pistol, you can't not shoot it. And they cocked it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. loading another thing because they're saying they need to get more from the donor they don't have the child um moth is i guess semi-force sensitive who are they getting it from so are we going to see another kidnapped jedi yeah. potentially well they're going to go after the child mm. that's what i that's what i thought they, yeah, but in there, uh, yeah i thought that they had somebody else they're getting it from as well i don't know if that was a point that maybe i thought wrong but i thought they said they had to get more i don't know if the child's the only donor they're using necessarily to get because I know the child is a higher count, but I didn't know if that was the only boner that they're using. Because he said uh, because of the size, he could only right. take so much, and he needs more. I don't know who else they would be 
going after. Well, yeah, I, I got I got the feeling it was a child as well, but I mean, Trent, right? It might be it might be more than one donor. Well, let's talk about who could possibly be the end donor, right? Let's say let's say that that eventually somebody's going to have to be co opted into this. I mean, the the list is pretty limited because Obi Wan's dead, Yoda's dead, Darth Vader's dead, Emperor's dead, right? So you got Luke, Leia, Ben. Uh, right, Ahsoka. Right, we got one more, and that's it so far. The child. So those are that. That is the universe of possible donors for this project. And if we feel, assume it kills them, Luke, Leia, and Ben are out. So who knows? It has to be. So you know, there's there's a small list of of people that could be involved in this. And again, if they didn't mean to have that be the tie-in. There'd be no reason to show us clone tanks that look exactly like the ones we just saw in Star Wars Episode Nine, which I will remind everybody I gave a seven point five, and Kendo, <laughs> Kendo gave a ten. Kendo is still thinking it's a ten, or have you revised that yet? Uh, still, a still a ten. All right, I, we both we agree our ratings have not changed. Jeez, <laughs> My, mine has dropped, and I was uh, <laughs> Kendo would know it at the place of work, even uh, DP. Mine is dramatically shifted based on this series, based on some evidence. You know, I'm one of those fans that, you know, kind of like Hitch. I want to, I mean, this Lucas script is out there. If we're getting this Snyder cut, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm asking the Star Wars lore, can we get the Lucas cut? At least a Colin Trevorrow episode nine, Duel of Fates. There's some so much out there. Like, if they're not going to release the movie, let us read the script. It, it it is what it is. Once it's once it's printed, you can't take just it back. Just publish it, man. You know? Robert Heinlein would, would publish it. it. You know what I mean? If this was yeah, if this was yeah, like I'm saying, just publish. This it. was James S. A. Corey. If this was that the Expanse people, it they publish so. it. But we have a monolithic <laughs> corporation, and, and quite frankly, this is this is the flag. This is who you want running these flagship things. I think because they have all the money, and they just basically say people that know how to make the awesome content do it. And here's a dump truck of money. <laughs> Pull it up to their well, house. One, go, Here you go. One thing about this universe, which is really interesting to me, especially to Star Wars fans, is that you really can't reboot this. <laughs> you know, the universe is the universe. So basically everything is as is. Um, and right now, the Mandalorian is filling gaps of stuff. You know, they already threw out everything that happened in the extended, you know, extended universe as far as the books and all the other stuff. So none of that's officially canon anymore. Could you imagine? Only thing that's canon is the 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 episodes and now, um, you know, uh, Solo, of course, and um, Rogue One, and now this. This is this is canon. So it's filling in those gaps. But the universe is universe. Once you make a decision, that's it. Right. So you, you 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 could you could bring back Palpatine, but <laughs> you 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 <laughs> and I know a lot of people are just like, okay, how did how does that even happen? Mm -hmm. But you know, yeah 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 yeah. Um, uh, if if you have to retroactively, if this show is going to retroactively explain some of the reasons why you know Palpatine may come back or Snoke, you know what happened with Snoke. Um, then hey, you know, have at it because whatever happened, happened, right? And I guess I can lead us in there, Ken, because I know we, we've discussed this outside of this channel, um, on different mediums. This is my problem with this, and I don't want to be negative, but I guess this is the part that I wanted to open up to you guys. It seems like here, season one was knocked, was knocked out of the park, 
to me, season two seems like somebody at uh, LucasArts sat down with Filoni, understood the backlash of the last three movies, and this to me seems like it's covering up. And I don't want to have the sound as it's covering up for Abrams. Abrams did a good job. We can talk about episode eight. Uh, I don't think that was part of the three. It was whatever, but I I just feel like they are filling in errors due to the fandom being so separated now, as me and Ken alluded to multiple times. And I just feel like right now, to me, it's starting to seem a little bit like, let's tie this in so it makes seven, eight, nine feel a little better. Does that, you kind of getting those vibes a little bit too, Kendo? Uh, A a little bit. I see where you're going. I see where you're going with it. Um, I'm sort of, I sort of, when I'm watching this and I've, I've, I, we, we discussed this outside the, outside the show, like where I'm coming from, I'm just, I watch the movies. I don't, anything that was not Lucas done, I don't know about. I mean, that's basically. So I feel like what they're doing here is they're getting back to that because I think in the newest trilogy, since he wasn't involved, he wasn't doing any of the writing, nothing. He was, it was all Disney um, or, you know, I mean, they took what he started and kind of developed it a little bit, but he didn't have a hand in it. Maybe a text message here and there, you know, Hey, what do you think about this? Maybe some, something like that. But I think Mandalorian is getting back to that original Lucas Western cliffhanger style Shogun warrior, all the stuff that he grew up with, what he studied in film school the stuff that really drove him to want to do these movies, that's what it's getting back to. Now, I, but I see what you're saying about filling in some holes and gaps and answering some questions and things like that, but I think what they're trying to do is really get back that old fan base and say, hey, you know what, we, st- we, we get it. We dig what Star Wars was, and here's, here's this new universe, but with the old, the old feel. The old, old feel, old. yeah. And and to tie that in, like, you know, one final point hits as far as everything we've discussed today as well is, so even with Kendo saying kind of tying it in, um, do you feel that we need explanation for that? I mean, I understand what everybody's saying, but to the point that we look at now, we looked at this as the Mandalorian. I didn't, or I don't know if you guys did, I didn't expect us to tie in seven, eight, nine, and I just feel like we're getting those vibes of like, like I said, I just feel like there's too much filler. Just leave this where we had it, season one, and in season two, expand upon that. Now we're essentially taking this, and it's a stopgap into the between, you know, six and seven. Uh, do you have those kind of vibes yet, or, or, or maybe I'm reading too much into I it? I think that it's a storytelling thing, because <clears throat> if you think about it, you know, we, we are in a position where we have, you know, a character that's, that to move the story forward, we have to put a character in jeopardy that nobody really wants to, right? Do you really want anything bad to happen to the child? I mean, really, does any, does anybody? No, of course not, right? You don't want it to get, like, its ear cut off or so. You know what I mean? You don't want it to have scars and look like Tyrion Lannister or whatever. You don't want that. <laughs> we want the child to do great. We're pro-child at this at this show, right? So, yeah. you know, in order for the story to advance, you have to put the child into jeopardy. And listen, if you are going to want people to say, all right, get on with it, right? Let's go. We got to have some plot here, right? Now you have buy-in from the audience, and the audience says, we need action now. And look, this is the same thing they do in video games. Every, everybody that's played a video game knows this when you're just mowing through them now because you know exactly what they're going to do, right? Easy pickings, easy pickings. Give me a new challenge. Give me something new to do. 
The stormtroopers are easy. It looks like these, these are all what's walkovers. He's knocking over like liquor stores and he's using like, you know what I mean? His actual Mandalorian armor to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's that sort of offset. Yeah. And, and, and it, you know, he's powered up now, right? He's got the, the best scar. He's got the child. He's got the ship. He's got the guns. He's got everything he needs. So when you level up, you have to have a challenge. And that's what's happening now. So now we know the main conflict of the season is this. All the pieces are in place. Everything's set. And for me, if you want to link it together to these other properties, I understand that because in, ep in season one, they did not know this was going to be the flagship property of Star Wars for Disney when they made it, right? They great, had no great, idea. Great point. And guess what great it is point. now, right? I mean, it is literally <laughs> the perfect vehicle for Star Wars because they can make it and nobody has to be in the same room. Like, it's insane. Yeah. So so you right. can have Carl Weathers, you know, work on his own schedule and you can ha and you can actually continue to produce the show during coronavirus because you don't have to get it. It's not like making Spartacus where you need 30,000 people in one space. You know what I mean? You can just keep going. If, if, if the exclamation point was going to be Star Wars Episode Nine, and you left it at that and you would have had a divided fandom. That was just it. Right. The Mandalorian brought everybody back together <laughs> to right. in my eyes. You know, it made everyone say, okay, this is what I loved. You know, it made, you know, fans like Kendo, you know, this is what I loved about Star Wars, even though I loved episode nine. This is what I really, you know, loved about Star Wars is bringing back to the essence. And at the same time, it's bringing the, um, you know, the, the fans that actually liked, like, you know, the, the sequel, the, um, the, the, the last sequel trilogy, Okay, yeah, this is Star Wars, and I could still. This is smaller Star Wars, but it's still Star Wars, you know. Um, like I said, if if you left that left the, the episode nine at the exclamation point, I don't think um, it would it would have left a bad taste in people's mouths. The the Mandalorian first season um, really created something that was sweet, you know, for you to taste. Yeah. Right. And uh, like I said, as we wrap it up, guys, I know we ran along for our fans out there they who love our content. They maybe love on a drive on a ride to, to work or <laughs> wherever you may be doing in the car, you know, consuming us on all their <laughs> our multiple to, multitude of platforms. Um, you know, hopefully this episode five, you know, as we're, we're, we're hearing everybody has their DVR set. If you haven't, um, you're going to get those Disney Plus because our year's been up. So I've already renewed on my second year. So let's get those subscriptions back up, even though it's a shameless plug. Shouldn't have to do it, but you know, let's make sure we paid our subscriptions so we can get that episode uh, next Friday. And uh, Hitch, do you guys want to sign us off? Yeah, you know, just uh, before we jump into to all the stuff, I want to say thank you, uh, Trenton. You've done such a great job leading the conversation the last couple of weeks. Thanks so much for coming on and really, really taking control over that. Uh, you know, the, leading the discussion the right way. Appreciate it very much. Uh, you can find us at nerdcyclopedia.com, which is spelled the same way as this channel you're looking at. So I'm not, you know, you know, you know how to spell it. Uh, so you should, you should subscribe here. You should definitely head over there for our blog post. There's going to be new stuff over there. Um, I want to, I want to kick it over to, to DP Brown here. He's going to tell you a little bit about his project and his upcoming stuff. So let me kick it over there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, DP? The theme of these, it will be kickstarting. With, the kickstarter is actually postponed, guys. Last week I said it was going to start on the 25th of November. We're actually going to postpone it to the 18th of January. Moving into next year, you know, everything with COVID season is just making things just flow on into next year. So what's one more thing to flow into? So, <laughs> uh, 
So um, I'm starting my Kickstarter launch for the project um, January. Uh, I'm sorry, January 19th. I'm, um, you know, got the dates mixed up there. January 19th is when this Kickstarter is going to launch. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of content, you know, coming on this channel. So um, definitely watch for that, and also go to my channel, um, you know, DP Dog Pound Brown. Um, and if you want to email me, DP Brown at CrazyHouse.com. There you go. There you go. All right, everybody. Well, this has been. Uh, Carbonite Bounty BS, which is actually still the name of the show. And uh, <laughs> we're the nerds. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We'll look forward to, to seeing you later. And like we say every week when we, when we sign up, remember, this is the way. This is the way. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Encyclopedia.